0: Join them as they talk about why it is always worthwhile to take care in business. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Vicki. Okay, so I have a big question for you. Did you know that US companies spend a staggering $720 million annually on employee engagement? I did not. Okay, well they do, and what I wonder is how companies measure this return on investment. So today we have Santiago Jarmillo with us. He is the CEO and co-founder of Amplify. Empify is on a mission to help organizations unlock human potential so employees can do the best work of their lives. Rooted in the belief that yearly surveys alone are no longer effective to create highly engaged cultures, Empify's unique agile engagement platform combines surveys with quarterly check ins and pulse polling to uncover the core issues behind symptoms like high turnover, low productivity, and poor innovation, enabling leaders to make data driven decisions that bridge people and profit. I loved my pre-interview with with Santiago. I'm going to call him Santi. He has such an interesting background, and I know our listeners are going to love hearing about his life. He and his family immigrated to the U.S. from Columbia after their entire church of over 100 people were kidnapped by a guerrilla group in 1999. Oh my. During his college years at Indiana Wesleyan University, he worked as an intern for Exact Target, where he became inspired to start Blue Bridge. In his senior year of college, he launched Blue Bridge, Blue Bridge, that's hard to say, from his dorm room and did $100,000 in sales, and he also did this graduating valedictorian with a 4.0 GPA. He has been giving, given um, so many awards that I'm only going to tell you a few of them, but some pretty impressive ones are Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30, the White House.gov's Champion of Change under the Obama Administration in 2013. Tech Points Myra Award winner for Young Professional of the Year in 2013, the Indy Star Rising Star award winner, IBJ, well, that's Indianapolis Business Journal for those of us who are from Indy. Um, he was named a 40 under 40, and um, the Indiana Latino Businessman of the Year.
1: Wow, I know.
0: Um, so anyway, we have uh, Santiago here today to talk to us about Implify. and how are you, Santi?
2: I'm doing wonderful. Thank okay. you for the for the kind words.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. So I know people are probably wondering right now, um, what? These people were kidnapped? Um, can you just tell us, uh, tell tell our listeners a little bit about what that was like and how leaving Columbia and coming to Indiana, how maybe that, um, you know, I mean, I know it impacted you, but maybe uh, just share with us uh, that, that transition that you had to
2: make. Sure. Yeah. So uh born in columbia to, to columbian uh, parents and uh, we used to go to this little parish right diagonally across where we lived and i had just read robinson Crusoe, like the, the children's illustrated edition and uh we were building this treehouse on sunday morning or something to get ready to go to, go to this, the, the church that morning and um i said hey dad any way that we can skip church today and keep building this treehouse and he said he's a smart man so he says go ask mom and so i did and the decision and uh, we are off and and skipping church this is uh really pretty unprecedented uh, for us and um a a couple hours later we were building it the the, the service is is nearing the end Uh, we could kind of hear the the bells and uh turns out we found out later through the news we heard some gunshots and and what what happened is the leftist militia group um, the guerrillas they came in pretended to be the army told everyone there was a bomb in the building um, that everyone needed to evacuate into these two trucks and, and over hundred people uh, were kidnapped for ransom that day so thankfully they were you know they paid ransom and, and were let go um so but but obviously throughout that year being kidnapped it was a pretty traumatic um, experience for our community and, and for our parents and you know we, we, we thought that maybe they were looking for us because we didn't go to the church that Sunday, and so it just became a pretty situation with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, anguish, and so my, my parents uh, give, give them the credit for um, ripping up their life in Colombia, their friends, their family, their business, everything that they had up to that point. They said, we're going to give our, our kids a better uh, shot at, at a safer life, and so we, we moved to the States. When I was uh, 10 years old, so I served fifth grade uh, here um, in the U.S., and had to um, you know, figure out how to um, manage the language in a new system. And it was just a lot of, of new stuff uh, coming at me. And, and w- what I really learned um, from that time period was the incredible importance of adaptability. Mm. It, it's such a simple concept, but but I think we're, we're challenged by it every day, no, no matter where we are on our adaptability and, and growth journey, which is this idea that we many times can't control what happens to us or to our businesses, right? External factors happen, um, the choice that we have is, is typically one, one of two, you know, really simplifying it down is, is one, will we choose the hard thing um, to adapt, to go outside of our comfort zone, to, to, to accept this new reality, and instead of raging against it, um, embrace it and, and use it to, to thrive um, and, and really adapt to the, to the new situation? Um, and then could we do that as, as business owners, as leaders, because we do that faster than our competition? Could we, uh, and personally, can we do that Um, to supercharge our growth, or we can obviously choose not to do that. And, um, not not have that growth opportunity of uh, stepping into that that comfort zone. So for me, it's just that story for me continues to be a, a, a continual reminder of really two things, just incredible gratefulness for, for living in, in the country that we do at this time in history. where um, yeah, We're just so incredibly uh, privileged and, and blessed. And so uh, is that gratefulness is, is the foundation of who I am because I get to, because of my parents' sacrifice, experience this new life. And then number two, a reminder that, that new things, uncomfortable things, things will, will will continue happening and uh, we, we have the uh, opportunity every day to choose to, to adapt or not. and um, So that's a little bit of a formational story uh, for me and, and some of the lessons that I was able to learn from that. And uh, certainly I've not been perfect or great at adapting at, at every other point, but um, I I, I uh, was would lean into that hard thing, sat with the American kids at the lunch table that first day instead of with the Colombian kids that were speaking in Spanish, much more comfortable, but I realized that if I was going to be here in the U.S. and thrive, I was going to need to you know, fully learn the language. And so I chose to hang out with american kid to talk about fourth and ten and football and all these things that i had no idea were very uncomfortable but um uh, i was able to 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 do that well then but um, that that lesson has continued on to to, to be reminded that i don't always do that but but um but usually good things happen uh when when i do step outside that comfort zone and adapt to whatever's going on yeah
1: well, Vicki gave some staggering kind of stats at the beginning in the intro about employee engagement. Can you talk a little bit about how you got interested in employee engagement? It's certainly um, an emerging field. Some of us have been involved with it for a while, but it seems like you've really um, kind of embraced that and 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 are moving forward.
2: Yeah, you know so there's two parts of the journey. There's kind of the head part and the heart hand.' Um, it, actually a really nice way to define employee engagement, which is, an employee's emotional and intellectual connection with their work that demonstrates itself with the hands, that what they do, their, their commitment to pursue the company vision and goals, right? So employee engagement is this wonderful condition where an individual is, is leaning in with vigor and energy and motivation, coming to work with their best and full self, giving at, at everything that they have that day and doing their best work. And um, it, it turns out that, so this is more of the, the head part of, of how I learned about employee engagement. That I just started learning it through, Um, through what was going on in the world, you have 70% of people that are not disengaged. And when you look at that from the employee perspective, that's a hard thing to spend half of your waking life at work uh, feeling very little energy, motivation, and and vigor, and and a desire to to really do your best. And so if if you're disengaged, it's hard to grow. If you're disengaged, it's hard to leave that at work and not take it back home. Uh, right? uh, if your kind of soul and, and heart are being crushed every day, it, it's hard to be uh, a full, sort of happy, uh, uh, full of meaning life type person, right? And And it turns out that it's incredibly costly for organizations. Uh, You've got millennials that are redefining what they want, and other generations as well, that are redefining what they want out of work, right? 30 years ago, a steady paycheck and and benefits were enough to be able to retain an employee for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and typically get good work. Uh, And today, uh, millennials in other generations want so many other non-economic value propositions from their work, like growth and, and meaning and purpose, um, and, and a sense of autonomy and a sense of mastery over their craft it's all of these things that aren't a paycheck aren't benefits but are incredibly important uh, and foundational to, to people being able to be engaged uh, but it's different and business leaders are struggling with this change how do we adapt the, the organizational culture the employee experience that we've crafted over you know 50 10 five years and how do we create it so that it appeals and it engages, it attracts, and it retains the, the modern workforce, not just millennials, but, but all other generations that have, that have um, evolved how they think about what they desire from work. And so as we looked at the cost of rising turnover for organizations, millennials now stay an average of only two years in an organization, right? Turnover begins to eat at profit significantly at the customer experience. you have to double recruitment, double onboarding, double training. It's lots of issues there. Um, And and then for leaders, it becomes difficult because this is personal. And I had a personal journey with employee engagement where I was part of part of Blue Bridge. Uh, We had built a great culture uh, at at Blue Bridge, and we had taken an engagement assessment and had ranked just really, really well uh, in that assessment, like 95th percentile and above. Uh, And and then we went through a lot of organizational change. We sold two of the business units, This is eventually to to start uh, Amplify. Uh, later on and, and we had to make some team changes and, and, and let a few folks go and certainly treated them uh, well through the transition but but nonetheless we, we lost a few good friends that worked with us for the ride we had the transition technology we changed our name there's a lot of change and I was off doing this this these acquisitions or these divestitures we were getting acquired and I was doing this full time and I candidly I, I lost I lost sight of the important thing, which was our, our team and our people and our culture, and I took my, my eyes off that ball, and um, turns out that in the six-month time, I, 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 would, I heard some kind of complaints and, and, and noise, if you will, just chatter and, and complaints about what was going on. I could tell a palpable kind of energy decrease at the office, but I didn't couldn't quite put my – finger on what it was and and certainly what's at the root cause of it. So how how do we fix it? How do we address it? I thought it was kind of just kind of change is hard and people were resisting the change. I thought they'd get over it. But what it turns out that they had really fundamental blockers in front of them being fully engaged. We weren't as leaders providing them the environment that they needed to yield engagement. Uh, And we found out six months later, we did another engagement measurement. And we had dropped 50th percentile points from an excellent culture to a below-average culture, and we had some real uh, issues to deal with in terms of our, our culture and our people. And so for me, that really catalyzed this idea of I almost lost my business, my culture, because I didn't have a good understanding of what employee sentiment one. So of where the hearts and minds were uh, to know that it wasn't good. And then, but B, more importantly, know what the actual problems were to be able to know how to fix it. I, I had, so I realized that I had data leading and lagging indicators for every part of the business. I could tell how, how things were going to turn out by, by measuring things. And there was such a lack of data in, in employee engagement, right? the best that we had was turnover and we were finding out why people were leaving at the exit interview, right? That was way, way too late. And so they, they, we, we kind of came up with this concept of what if we could actually measure engagement, help use that to help leaders uh, make better decisions about people and culture and, and, and hopefully be able to prevent many other leaders to have such a, uh, a big challenge like I did by being able to catch it much more often. So we came up with this way of quarterly measuring employee engagement and, and we rallied around the purpose uh, of improving the lives of one million people through more engaging work. So it was this sort of heart and mind. I, I saw the business opportunity with my, with my brain uh, and then I lived through this uh, personal where basically I fell on my face and had to, you know, wipe off the dirt and the blood and say, okay, I need to change some things about my leadership because now I have data and now I can go and, and, and solve those problems and know where I need to step up as a So For me, it was this kind of cerebr- cerebral and emotional journey that, that catalyzed my, my passion and commitment um, to, to furthering what's going on in the employee engagement space.
0: And this was while you were creating the Amplify software? Cause, because that's pretty ironic,
2: <laughs> yeah. So you know, the, the, the first uh, this was before we created the software is really taking that that measurements that catalyzed the idea that this needed to be the product. Uh, we, we had a our first product in the employee engagement space was a communication app, um, and it sold really well. But uh, we saw that our leaders were mostly sending happy birthday and happy work anniversary messages through it <laughs> to kind of simplify it, and, and, and that we just weren't. Uh, we knew that that wasn't a must have value that we were delivering to our customers. So we went and asked them, uh, Why aren't you sending more substantive messages, ones that are really going to impact employee engagement? Um, and they said, Well, we don't know what to say. And I asked them, Well, what's your culture and employee engagement strategy? He said, We don't have one. Could you measure it to help inform the strategy? Do you have any data around it? They said, No, exit interviews. <laughs> so that's when we realized that it wasn't really a communication gap, um, it was really a measurement prioritization and strategy gap that, that our leaders really needed. So as we were finding that out from our own customers, as I was going through that experience and as I was understanding the, the, the business opportunity inside of employee engagement, all these three things kind of came together um, uh, to allow me to, to really point the way and making a pretty big decision, which is way we're not going to sell uh, this communication app platform anymore. That's not truly what, what um, customers need at the heart of it. We're going to focus all of our future efforts on, on employee engagement measurement, and, and now we're adding back some of those communication uh, features, etc. Because now leaders have data and a strategy part; they can they know no, they now know what to communicate, what their employees need to hear and need to know to be fully engaged. That's a, a little bit of a little bit more depth on the journey.
0: Mm-hmm. So, when we talked um, during the pre-interview, you had mentioned to me that you started in CSR kind of inauthentic, I mean, you, you didn't even know what you were doing, but you were eight years old. And so I want to know kind of what you view as corporate social responsibility, um, social entrepreneurship, whatever. How did you get started in it, and what does it mean to you?
2: Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I do remember in the pre-interview, I'm like, I don't think I have a definition of that, like sort of academically. And then I thought about my own life and how embedded that is into who I am and why I do what I do um that maybe the best way is to to share the the brief version of that source i was eight years old and started my first business uh in columbia and it was basically a water delivery business kind of covering the last mile for my neighbors in in terms of delivering water right to their door rather than them having to go all the way up to the gate and lug these heavy five gallon jugs of water over there so I, i remember as a as a uh, eight-year-old having uh, like tens and hundreds of, of dollars for and pesos equivalent. Uh, and, and I bought a bunch of, I literally bought a bunch of candy and I just ate it all. And it was, it was really gratifying to know it was super fun to start the business, to see an opportunity and kind of create a solution and, and add value to people. And everybody was thrilled. It was really cool that some of the value returned to me in, in form of, of profit. And it was also cool that I got to buy some of my own candy without having to uh, necessarily get money from, from my parents. So all that was great. But then I remember, uh, on, on my way home they were at that uh, out that day um, um, and I basically ate all the candy on the spot and mm-hmm. I remember passing by stoplights in Columbia where kids would be begging uh, for for food uh, and, and for money and uh, I was always just heartbroken by that and here the contrast is I just gorged myself on candy and 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 this other five, six-year-old orphan is knocking at my window and asking for enough change to buy dinner. And so the contrast of it was just so, so uh, stark for me. And, I, and so I realized, that, hey, I wanna, it's not just buying candy. I'm going to use some of this money to um, uh, buy sandwich materials and carry this cooler full of sandwiches in our back seat. And we would hand them out at uh, different stoplights. And, and I remember that that being the combination of getting to kind of use my skills uh, to create a business uh, and then being able to use Um, some of the proceeds from that to make a difference, that was incredibly gratifying. It was intellectually stimulating, and it was sort of emotionally gratifying to be able to do that. And so I think that's when, like, I think my commitment to figuring out a way to how do we create an organization that betters the lives of employees as a great place to work that also has a noble mission of making the world better, and that's also a great way to make a living and 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 create something truly valuable. And and you know maybe it was my youthful naivete that said you can have all, you can have it all, you can have a an organization that can that can do all of these things um, at the same time, and, and that was the the intent uh, with Bluebridge, and then we really got to. A more focused state with Amplify is, is obviously we, we try to drink our own champagne or eat our own dog food, however you want to call it, with using, being our own best user of our own software and trying to live out authentically engagement best practices and leadership best practices every single day and in a very authentic way so that people love, um, love Mondays, just kind of a little bit of what we say, love Mondays at Amplify. But not only that is is pointing it at can we actually make a huge difference in the world if for a million people half of their waking life could be substantially improved uh, and that bleeds into their personal life um, then boy that's a that's a really powerful mission that's not just a business that's not just a business plan that is a that is a calling a movement a passion a vocation all kind of at the same time and that's that's really what we're trying to create at amplify is that. That multi-sided purpose um, that that fundamentally and inherently seeks to to help other people make the world a better place by what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that that's that's our our view of it. It's not something that you kind of bolt on on the side because hey, millennials care about. Causes And so we got to cater to them. And so here's a bolt on thing. How do we actually embed it in the DNA of the organization? Sure. Um, I think is, is, a, is a tough, uh, complex, but incredible question that we can ask ourselves as leaders and that we can pursue.
1: And mm-hmm. so that's really related to one of the questions that we like to ask some of our guests, Santi, which is, would you describe your company's involvement in CSR as by default or by design? Or maybe a little bit of both?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 i think it's um by design uh, but if i think about it if this is something that was sort of embedded deep within me uh, and my co-founder adam weber and some of the uh, early team members um, uh, then it was it was it was by default because of who we were right mm-hmm. um but but by design because we we were trying to, you know we were intentional about thinking through it so i you know i'd say a little bit of both um and and i've got to you know give a lot of credit to to team members and, and others that have embraced that vision and, and have carried it forth to, to lengths that i wouldn't have been able to do by myself that really you know picked up the baton and, and, and ran with it and that's a um, you know one recent thing you know we did based on an employee ideas is we're going to donate one percent of our product uh, back to causes who have employees that need to be engaged for that cause to, to really be effective and make a huge difference in the world and so instead of Charging nonprofits can actually find some great causes that we believe that we can help supercharge the great work they're doing by helping their employees be more engaged through our software and our services. Um, So it's kind of another recent way that we've added on um, to to how we're doing uh, this. This is one small manifestation Mm -hmm. of uh, of how this kind of DNA um, comes out. And,
1: And how do you identify those organizations or causes?
2: Yeah, so uh, for 2018, uh, we're creating an employee committee to basically come up with uh, criteria uh, to evaluate causes so that we can um, uh, be good stewards of our resources and, and pick the organization that is going to be able to benefit the most uh, from there. Um, so we'll kind of – the employees will create this committee, have criteria, and then run different options through that criteria, uh, reach out to a few uh, finalists, uh, causes, um, and then, you know, make sure that this is something that the organization is, is open, receptive, and is really going to embrace, uh, obviously, because if you, you know, if we give our this cause data about their employee engagement, but leadership isn't committed to taking action on the data in, in a couple places, then we're, we're not going to really help them. It's going to be a waste of their time. Um, and so between our own sort of uh, analysis and their desire and commitment to, to want to uh, pursue those that um, that's uh, that's how we're going to that's how we're going to do that.
0: that's cool. So besides this 1% give back that the employees are are going to participate in, what other kinds of things are unique about working at
2: Amplify? Sure. So there's there's a kind of a a, a wide ranging principle that a lot of things flow out from. And it's this belief that we hire extraordinary people at Amplify who can be trusted uh, to do what is best for the company, and so if you start with that assumption, if you believe that truth that we do hire extraordinary people and that those people are worthy uh, of trust, um, then you can create a, a bit of a different work environment. So, for example, we have a self-managed um, PTO plan uh, where where people um, can can manage how they take time off. So we don't we don't track it. We realize that we trust you. We 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 have. Really great metrics around uh, your output. You know what the job is. Uh, and we also know that rest, proper rest, uh, is really critical to engagement, right? You can't be burnt out and fully engaged, it turns out. Um, and in fact, burnout is one of the symptoms of, of disengagement. Um, and, and so that's like one small way. And other pieces, you don't really have dress codes because we trust people that they can make the right choices in that. Um, we, we have this, this trusting environment that we try to minimize policies and put more of the decision-making and the trust on employees. And that's typically the opposite, right? As you grow, you clamp down more on on policies and on removing risk. And, and what that does is it stifles the best people to come want to work uh, for organizations that are bigger. And so we actually think that as we get bigger, we do attract better talent and they're more um, able to make great decisions with the trust that, that we give. Another a few ways of what we believe about what work is, is we believe that work isn't just um a means to an end to get to the weekend (laughs) or to get to retirement but that work is is uh can be really good in in the right environment and with the right fit and so we want to uh, sort of bake work into as an integrated part of our lives meaning that we realize that that friendships many times happen at work and so we have family style lunches every thursday that we cater in for the team to to bring a whole team together um folks can make friendships connections and, and build on those relationships so there's there's um there's all of these little ways of how, how, how do we create an environment that is engaging and inspiring uh, and, and motivating. And we know that in that environment, extraordinary people will, will flourish uh, and will give their very best to pursue this noble vision that that's in front of them. Uh, but by, by no means are we perfect, right? We, we, in fact, we look at our imperfections every single quarter through our own data, and we're really um, active around prioritizing gaps and, and engagement. So you know, we've got to – for sure a long way to go uh in terms of 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 getting close to the ideal aspirational work environment but um that's what i think about every day is how can i create a more engaging place at amplify because if we do that our employees will take care of our customers if we do that they'll take care of of innovation and solving important problems if we do that if we create this thing they'll, they'll give their best if, if we do that they'll tell their friends to come work here right and, and if we don't do it just because of that we do it because it's the right thing but it turns out it's also the right thing is also good for business and so it's this awesome kind of reinforcing loop uh, that happens when, when that's a big focus
1: so um as a parting question santi what would you what advice would you give to our listeners about either starting a csr program or improving a program
2: yeah, I, you know, I would say um, I think authenticity is is really important. I think focus and authenticity, and so what I mean by that is um, finding uh, a way uh, a corporate social responsibility strategy that is authentic to the leaders um, and the DNA of the organization. Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't exactly look at lot, a lot, what a lot of the research says about this, but there's something different about. The world today, the workplace today, which is people sniff out authenticity and, and sort of fakeness uh, so much more effectively than they used to, right? You, you could sort of come up with your messaging points and, and, and share them out, <laughs> and, 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 and people were more likely to – today, um, I, I don't know what it is. We have a heightened sense uh, for BS, um, and, and, and I think it, the first and, and foremost, I think that the corporate social responsibility strategy plan needs to be authentic because if it's not, I think it's dead in the water and people won't really um, buy in, participate, and, and make it a part of, of their work and, and how they participate and engage uh, with the company. So I think that uh, authenticity um, is, is really important mm-hmm. uh, as, as a pretty central kind of principle of making it successful at an organization. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think we, we hear that from almost everybody who, um, who answers that question because I mean it all. It all starts, you know, inside and from the top down. And without you buying into it, certainly the rest of your team wouldn't, um, you know, understand the importance of it. And um, so, hey, we have to wrap things up. But I want um, our listeners to know how they can find out about Amplify. Um, You know, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff.
2: Sure. No, thank you um, for that. Um, So you can find Amplify at amplify.com online. So E M P L I S Y dot com is our website. Um, And and then you can find a description. We essentially work with um, leaders at uh, mid sized organizations. Uh, to help them make better people and culture decisions by quantifying and measuring employee engagement. And ultimately, that yields uh, return on investment by an improved customer experience, less turnover, more productivity, et cetera. It turns out that people are an incredibly um, uh, rewarding place uh, to invest um, uh, into as as an organization. So that's who we work with, and that's how you can find a little bit more about Amplify. Uh, think Thanks for hosting me. It's been great, and, and keep up the great work and, and sharing uh, this important message of, of the responsibility that organizations have to to make to leave the world a little bit better than, than how they found it.
0: Oh, of course, okay. and thank you for joining us. We'll talk soon, okay?
2: Thank you. Thank okay. you.
0: Bye. Thank you for joining us this season on Taking Care in Business. Let's give a big thank you to Matt Sosi, our sound engineer. Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed this season's guests. We'll be back for a late summer season, so stay connected to us for updates on when that will start and for sneak peeks at some of our future guests.
1: You can visit the Taking Care in Business website at takingcareinbusiness.com or visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Taking Care in biz B-I-Z, if you have questions or comments, you can email us anytime at info at takingcareinbusiness.com.